Messiah appears to the Gentiles. It's great to have Gus in the background because God chose to appear to both the Jew and the Gentile in a baby. So those little gurgling sounds, Gus, are great. Thank you for reminding us of this wonderful story. In Matthew's story, he writes, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is the shepherd, my people, Israel. And what I want you to, there's lots of things to notice there, but one of the things I want you to notice, because I highlighted it is, the wise men that came asked the king, where's the child who has been born king of the Jews? And their answer, uh, just that what went through his mind when he asked the, 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 the scribes and the, the priests to come is, where's Messiah going to be born? So there is no doubt uh, that there's, the, there's a direct understanding when you say king of the Jews, you're talking Messiah. That there, those, are, those are not two ideas. So Herod knew exactly what they were asking about when he asked the question. Steve, I'm having the same problem as I had last week. So uh, you're going to have to lead. Steve, he, he, really, he came up with a really a funny thing last week. My phone, for some reason, I checked it, and I had a memory problem last week, and I am this week, but I'll try to correct it. So see, Steve said last week, in doing the slides for me, he said that, that I was, well, what's your phrase? A lot easier to follow than to lead. Gee. So in the days of King Herod, Matthew wants us to understand some of the tensions that are happening at the time of the birth of Jesus. So Herod ruled in Judea from 37 to 4, about 4. Jesus was born around 4 B.C. Now, now this is, again, it's highlighted because you don't want to... Everybody at the time of Jesus would have known this. We would not without somebody underlining it. Herod was appointed king of the Jews. Does that ring a bell? What did the wise men just ask? Where's the one born king of the Jews? Uh, he was appointed king of the Jews by the Roman Senate in 40 to 39 BC. He fought for three years to take Jerusalem. So he finally captured Jerusalem with the help of the Romans. And he had the previous king, Antigonus, uh, killed by Mark Antony. You, did you realize that there's connection between Cleopatra and Mark Antony in the Bible? I, I, no, I didn't know that. But that's the time we're at. 
So then once he took over, he was a despot. His despotic rule included monitoring public sentiment about his popularity by secret police. There was a prohibition against protest. He had a personal bodyguard of 2,000 soldiers who dealt forcefully with his opponents. He had a very impressive building program for all the wrong reasons. I mean, he highly taxed everybody. Part of the tax in the building was his private retreat at Masada. That's where he could escape. If he ever got in trouble with anybody, he had a fortress that he'd go to. Plus, it was a beautiful place. But he, but he really, he wanted to raise, he was elevating his status with his building programs. It wasn't for anybody other than for himself. And he was very insensitive to traditional Jewish law and customs. He himself was a Jew, he was brought up a Jew, but was not a, was not a practicing Jew at all. So you've got, you've got to use your imagination. Don't turn off your imagination. So I've tried to set the stage for you just a little bit. So foreign wise men and priests from the east, so they they could be from Yemen or they could be from Iran or they could be from Iraq or they could be from Saudi Arabia. It's all kind of, if you look at the Fertile Crescent, they kind of moves from east to west. So they're from the east. They're foreign. They're not Jewish. They're not Roman. They're not Greek. They're from the east. These foreign wise men and priests arise in, arrive in Jerusalem and they're granted an audience with King Herod. And their question is, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? And who are they asking? The one who's been appointed by the Roman Senate to be king of the Jews. Do you think there might have been a little tension in the room when they asked that question? Just think about that. Think about the despotic rule that I just described. What do you think's going on with King Herod? First response is very emotive. I don't think he, he hid his emotion from the wise men. He was terrified by the question. And almost instantly, and we don't know this, but somehow, the, I mean, the word got out of the palace and all around Jerusalem because the whole city is now disturbed, frightened, by this word, they're aware of the question and they're unsettled by what it might mean. And then Herod cries out for help. Again, we don't know how many times Herod summoned the chief priests and the scribes. I would doubt that he did it very often. But this time he, he said, I, I need help. Interpret for me the biblical prophecy that concerns the birthplace of Messiah. Where is Messiah to be born? So it really raises this tension. It just ratchets up. We mentioned this last week. But it's right. Who is the rightful king of Israel? Is is it Herod, appointed by the Roman Empire? Or is that this child born Messiah? So again, that's that's all in the air. Get in that. You got to be in that tension. 
So it moves on. Herod then comes up with a plan of action. Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. Why was it a secret meeting? And was Herod being honest? Go on, Steve. The question I think that Matthew is just kind of bringing to the surface. Who who will find the child and welcome him respectfully as the Messiah, the King of Israel? The good news is the Magi found the child. When they heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother. They knelt down. They paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Here's the Gentile response to the appearance of Messiah. It starts with their responsive to natural revelation. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. These wise men in Persia or wherever they were, were astrologers. They watched the stars for signs. We don't know, we don't know, we don't know enough about them. We don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know if they had contact. When Israel was in in exile, and did people write down stories? We don't know. But, but they responded somehow. God communicated to a Gentile about the birth of Messiah. And they responded. They saw it. There's a sign in the skies. And they responded enough to make a long, hard journey. And they, they followed. It was a divine guidance. It was a theophany, a God appearing. Remember the pillar of fire? I mean, it's something like that. They, they followed God's leading to Jerusalem and then ultimately to Bethlehem. And when they finally come into the presence of Jesus, did you notice? These Gentiles are overwhelmed with joy. They've come to their journeys in. They've been seeking this child, and here he is. And they're overwhelmed with joy, and they literally fall to their knees. They lie prostrate, and they worship. Gentile response. Worship. Face down. Before the baby born king of the Jews. Then they gave gifts that are fit for a king. 
Then it, then it doesn't stop. They're responsive, to, again, to a divine dream. God's communicating to these Gentiles. So they respond. We can't go back and tell Herod where this baby is. We need to go home a different way. And they did. Now that is an incredible response to the birth of the Messiah. Now Herod doesn't find the child. When Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, they didn't come back and report to him. He probably had secret police who also noticed that they didn't come back. He was infuriated. You kind of pick up that Herod's a little bit explosive. So he sent and he killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time they had learned from the wise men. Most of the time, I, I'd say Merry Christmas. And it doesn't, it doesn't at time, I don't, I don't let the sorrow of this soak in sometimes. See, the birth of Jesus not only evoked great joy, but it also evoked a rage, a murderous rage. We don't know. Guesses are that Bethlehem was 300 to 1,000 people in population. Again, we don't know, but statistically that was probably 12 to 20 children slaughtered. In the church in the Nativity, we have a friend that's the photographer for the church in the Nativity, and there's a crepe below that has bones. Probably not the literal bones of the the children that were killed, but it's a reminder. Children died at the hands of the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews attempted to murder the Messiah. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. What's the consolation? There's no consolation for the senseless slaughter of children. Herod's response to the Messiah is quite different than the wise men. He's terrified by the appearance of the rightful king. He was a a, a tremendously insecure ruler. He attempts to deceive the wise men in hopes of locating the child. He always had evil intent. Then he's enraged 
when his deception fails. So he orders the execution of children two and under in Bethlehem. Fortunately, Herod's response to the appearance of Messiah is not how everybody in Israel responded. I mean, just think back about the shepherds. Let's redeem the moment a little bit. The shepherds, like the wise men, were very overjoyed to find out that what the angels announced was true. But not everybody was overjoyed by the arrival of Messiah. Go on, please, Steve. So as we read the story, as we try to relive some of the tensions, I really, I, I just have some prayers for us. I want us, as you have done so well, just to kind of sit in the moment of the history that we're celebrating. And I want it to start with, Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you help us worship the God who appears to humanity? Again, putting it in context, there's 400 years of silence between the end of the Old Testament and the birth of Jesus. 400 years that seemed that God had disappeared. But God, in his infinite wisdom, infinite love and mercy, and he picked out the time that he would make an appearance. God makes himself known to humanity. God initiates relationship. God appears. That's who we worship. It's incredible. There's no other God like this God. Holy Spirit, help us to celebrate God's multiple ways to appear to human beings, even in places we believe are inaccessible. It happened back then. It's also happening today. I want to read you a story. Because there are some inaccessible places on our planet that God is appearing in. I remember standing outside a church in North Africa. This is on the Open Doors ministry page. And the church was full of new believers. People with Muslim backgrounds beginning to follow Jesus. Just around the corner from the church, a suicide bomber had blown himself up a week or so before. I'll never forget seeing the sheer scale of damage one man with a bomb and some ball bearing strapped to him can achieve. Little did I know, the next few hours would change my life forever. At the conclusion of the two-hour service, I met a brother. He began to tell me his story. I used to be a wealthy Muslim businessman. 
until one day I prayed, God, if you're real, you need to come and see me. God, if you're real, you need to come and see me. Guess what? That afternoon, I went home from work and found a man standing in my house. When I asked him, who are you? The man said, Jesus. We spoke for over an hour. When my wife came home, she, she, I told her, I met Jesus. And she was furious. Because it would cost them, it cost us our house, our money, our family, maybe even our lives. So I said to my wife, well, you asked Jesus to come. And so what happens? A couple of days later, I came home from work and found my wife sobbing on the floor. I asked her, what's wrong? She said, Jesus came. Jesus visited me. We spoke for over an hour. My friends, the God who appeared to the wise men, the God who appeared to the angels, to the shepherds, is the same God who's appearing to people in dark places. Why? Because light illuminates the darkness. Wherever there's darkness, God will go. So we have got to, we have got to worship and celebrate this God who in multiple ways appears to human beings, even in the places that we believe are inaccessible. There is no place inaccessible to God. Then I want the Holy Spirit to help us. I mean, this is a very emotive story. I mean, you got the whole range of out of control anger and overwhelming joy. And I, we've, got, we've got to be able to engage our emotions I hope overwhelmingly joyful and worshipful in the appearance of Messiah. Messiah has appeared to us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, help us to help others respond to the Messiah's appearance. I mean, what, it's what, wow. What what a thing to say to our friends. Why why don't you just ask Jesus to show up? And see what happens. Do we live with that kind of expectation? That Jesus would show up in the lives of our friends and our families that are wondering about him. Then finally, help us. I don't think we can leave this story without just help us, Holy Spirit, to discern the struggle between the kings of the earth and the king of heaven. That struggle is not over. 
It is true that God has ordained the structure of government. Structure of government is God-ordained. But that does not mean that everybody that serves in government has divine right. Everybody that serves in government has the same choice that every human being has on the planet. Will I serve in goodness or will I serve in evil? God has given to you and I, as well as anybody else that serves in government, the knowledge of good and evil. And we have to choose. Will I choose to serve Jesus the King as a servant of a government? Or will I choose to rebel against the King? Obviously, Herod rebelled against the Messiah. And when, when, when a, someone in a position of power on the earth rebels against the Messiah, they can do tremendous damage. Like kill 12 kids or so for no reason other than preserve their own status. So we've got to be able to discern this struggle. In some ways, thank God, I'm not in a, I don't want to be in that tension. And that's, again, why we're called to pray for those that are in authority over us. Because they live in a realm of temptation. Will I use this position for good or will I use it for evil? Come, Holy Spirit, help us. As you ponder that, I want you to reflect upon Psalm 2. Because it seems to just kind of bring everything to kind of to the focus. Because God knew when Messiah appeared, there would be quite a reaction to him. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord has them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings of the earth, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord With fear, with trembling, kiss his feet, or he will be angry, and you will perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled against rebellion. Happy, 
Happy are all, including the kings who pay homage to Messiah. Happy are all who take refuge in him. Would you stand with me? Jesus, as a community of people, we stand before you. And we stand before you grateful because you have appeared to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to serve you, to kiss your feet. To be, pa- to be people who are happy because we have taken refuge in you. Jesus, thank you that you have appeared to us in such a disarming way. Who can imagine a, a child who would be the ruler of the universe? Thank you for coming. And appearing to us in a way that we can all relate to. And thank you that you've given us this opportunity as a community to celebrate who you are. To worship you as the God who appears. To worship and celebrate you're the God that invites us into your kingdom. So Lord, we thank you. As a community of people, we bless you. Lord, we also take opportunity to pray for those that are in authority over us. That, oh Lord, they, as rulers of the earth, would serve you with fear. That with trembling they kiss your feet. That, Lord, they would be happy because they take refuge in you. Let your salvation come, Lord, to this world. In your name, amen. Would you do, back up one slide, Steve. What I'd like to invite you to do is to take one of these prayers, whichever prayer seems to fit where you are right now, and just take it with you and kind of make it your prayer for this week. Which one of those? You can take a couple if you want. Uh, We'll post all of them. In an email to all of us, but but what would you what would you take with you today and put into practice? How would you want the Holy Spirit to help you? Got it? All right. Thank you very much for our celebration together.